Welcome to Healthcare Hacks and Connections Podcast. Here you will learn all things podcasting, acquiring amazing tips and tricks required to transform your podcast into an essential tool to grow your business. On this show, we will bring in expert guests from across the healthcare spectrum. They will share their personal stories, discuss their struggles, and give real examples of how a podcast helped to grow their business. Now let's head into this week's episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. So today we have with us, I want to call him a YouTube genius, but he wouldn't refer to himself as that. He probably is a lead gen genius too in, in that aspect for the healthcare world. But really what he's really known for is Medicare. And we're going to dive into that today. But I just want to welcome Tony Muratado, Anthony Muratado. You know, I've known about this guy for a long time in this space already. And it's just an honor to have him on the podcast. Thanks so much, Nate. I love being here. I've followed your growth and your development over the last couple of years as well. And there's just so many resources out there. It's almost like impossible to get to everybody, but I'm so glad we got a chance to connect today. Yes, I'm so happy. So for the listeners that don't know about you, can you just give a little bit of a quick background about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I go by Tony, but my official name is Anthony Maritato. I am a licensed physical therapist. I've been a private practice owner since 2002, and I kind of followed a different path. You know, when I was, what, I graduated high school in 1993, which is crazy. I'm 47 now. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just, I've always loved business. I was that kid in the neighborhood that would always find value and turn it into cash. I was selling fireworks. I was, you know, doing jobs, whatever. Mm -hmm. My family, my mom came here from South America. She always loved business. My dad always loved business. So it was just in the genes. And I remember graduating high school thinking, there is no way I can sit in a college classroom for the next four years. So I did try a semester at community college. I pretty much failed every course that I got into, but I was involved in martial arts. I loved martial arts. So that's where I grew up in the dojo at that point. I, <laughs> I spent like a decade of my life, decided that I was going to be a martial arts instructor, decided that if I wanted to do it right, I needed to go get a degree. And so I took a three or four year time off to train I ended up going to get an undergrad in kinesiology at Penn State. I graduated in 2000. I was introduced to physical therapy for the first time. And that's where I was like, this is amazing. This is, Mm -hmm. it takes everything I learned from my undergrad in kinesiology, everything I love about coaching and teaching and puts it together in a way that helps somebody who has a genuine need. You know, I was like most young people. I thought, oh, I'm going to work with athletes. I'm going to train and Then I realized I could help a 72-year-old gain independence instead of helping a 27-year-old run a tenth of a second faster. So I was like, okay, now I know what I'm going to do. And I remember I was in a hospital outpatient setting. I was working as an exercise tech and I talked to the director of rehab and I was like, Scott, how do I open my own clinic? Like, I need to get into business. I can't keep working like this for 10 bucks an hour. I was like, well, you get a job, you become a therapist, you work for five years, you get to know all the referring providers, and then you go open your clinic. I was like, are you kidding? There's no way. So literally within a year of starting my job at the hospital, I quit. 
I opened my own clinic. I wasn't a physical therapist, but I knew I could hire one. And that was the beginning of Total Therapy Solutions. So we grew to five clinic locations across two states. We scaled a full team. We got to the point where, and when I say we, I mean my first partner in business who became my wife. She and I kind of grew the business together from nothing. And we said, you know, okay, we've got a decision. Are we going to build this to 20 locations and sell? Or are we going to consolidate back down and spend time with our family? Because at that point we were, we were pregnant. We were expecting our first son. Now we have four boys. And so we chose the latter. We went with, we sold one clinic. We closed two clinics. We consolidated down to a manageable size business that, my wife is out of, she is a full-time mom and, and does everything with the boys. I'm in the clinic a couple mornings a week just to keep a hand in what I love. But, you know, it's been an incredible experience over 20, almost 22 years now of going from loving therapy to running the business to still loving therapy and just changing the way business is done in our profession. Man, that's awesome. You know, <laughs> just because that's kind of what I realized It's what you realized. It's like you didn't need a PT degree or doctorate, anything like that to, to run a practice or own a practice. You could, like you said, hire your PT friends and, you know, start it that way. And I think for those that are, you know, like us, I guess, fall in love with physical therapy in that way where they see it as an outlet to help people, but, you know, maybe school isn't the right thing for them. They can go that route. And I think, you know, that really helps with you saying that because I had to realize that. And that's why I ended up starting my business like this, because I felt there's another way to impact people. Well, I think that's what we're learning now, especially with technology. You know, 20 years ago, I mean, YouTube and Facebook, none of these platforms existed. So you were bare bones. You're like... I'm going to trade time for dollars. I've got a special approach. You know, there's something that people like about the way I deliver the service. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to sell my time, help individuals achieve their goals. Now we have these systems and technologies that basically make us infinitely scalable. So to think of me in a clinic with a single patient and that is going to be my primary revenue driver, as opposed to me taking that experience of me with the patient, packaging it and making it available to seven or eight billion people on the planet. That's where we need to take the profession. You know, so I always say, like, I'm very mindful that I treat because I'm passionate about treating. I, I enjoy treating, but treating is my hobby. Treating is not my business. I don't ever want to monetize treatment because then I start making decisions based on finance as opposed to based on what's best for the patient. I want my income, my financial stability to come from something else so that I can treat freely, so that I can treat based on what I truly believe is in the best interest of that patient. Recently, I've been talking about the difference between pricing and monetizing. I think we need to consider monetizing what we do in the clinic rather than pricing what we do in the clinic, you know? So that's a concept maybe we can get into later. <laughs> yeah, we did get into a little bit of that in, in uh, you, you posted about it today and uh, yeah, we got a good, a good amount of comments on that post. It was about monetizing a podcast, but mm -hmm. it's still relative to everything that, you know, we're doing. Yeah. So 
I just want to touch on something you talked about earlier is like working with your wife. So like, you know, there's a possibility of my future wife joining my business and stuff. So like, what is advice that you can give to people out there to even get their spouse involved in their business? Because I feel like that is very powerful. And then it also kind of shows your spouse like why you're doing things. And I mean, now they can really understand your why. And then they can also advocate for you. Say like they're out and about and it's like, oh, well, my husband does that. You know, here's his number. Versus yeah, yeah. them not, not knowing what you do. And then they're like, you know. What's funny is you're the first person that's ever asked me about that. And it's such an interesting thing because I've always said, like, I generally would never, never in a million years tell somebody to work with their spouse, start a business with their spouse. But so many of us do it. And so the reality is we had no idea that that was the path we were going. Like this, yeah. this is the backstory. So I was working as an exercise tech in a hospital-owned outpatient clinic. I left, I started my own business, but before I left, I had the chance to work with this therapist and she was just one of those therapists that would literally light up the room when she came in. Like patients loved her, she was laughing, she was smart. She just stood out like head and shoulders above the rest. Now, she was a traveler at that time doing a travel assignment. Mm -hmm. She was scheduled to take an overseas assignment and we met socially through one of the work gatherings. And I was like, Hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. I really need a therapist. Can you just like, come help me get this started for three months. Then you can go to Turkey to where she was going to go. And then I'll hire somebody else, you know? And so she agreed. She came on we started building the business. A couple of things happened. I mean, this was 2001, 2002, it wasn't really safe to travel at that point. So she was like, I, she canceled her travel assignment and just continued to grow. Now, I was very mindful that this is kind of somebody who's going to be working with me. We kept everything completely separate. She had full ownership of the physical therapy aspect. I had been a strength coach, personal trainer. So most of our income was coming from self-pay personal training services that I was doing. But together, you know, we realized that there's something real here. And of course, the relationship grew. But what I noticed about working with her was when I'm in the zone, when I'm working with a patient, I have no idea who's around me. You know, I'm completely focused on what I'm doing. And she was the same way. We never had this kind of conflict. We never had any friction. She did what she did. I did what I did. And then to balance the relationship personally, as the business grew, I was always more of the entrepreneurial spirit, push, push, push. We got to grow. We got to do more. She was always more of the traditional physical therapy mindset of let's be conservative. Let's not out, outpace our growth. And so, you know, the joke is like, she says this, I'm not saying it about her, but she would still be picking a paint color for the walls of the first clinic. Meanwhile, we've probably gone through 20 clinic locations, you know, and if everything was left to me, I'd probably have a hundred locations and none of them would be doing well. If everything was left up to her, we'd still be choosing what kind of equipment we're going to buy for the first one. So we found that we were a great balance. We um, complemented each other's skill set. Mm -hmm. I did the things that she didn't enjoy doing. She did well, the things that I didn't enjoy doing. And together, once we realized, hey, there's not just a great business here, there's also a real relationship we established some ground rules. We said, what is the function of this business? You know, for us, 
we never had major like ambition for a hundred million dollar a year business. We were very practical in that we knew we wanted a family. We knew we wanted kids. We knew that we didn't want to be in the clinic as much as we were when we were building. So we said, we're going to build a vehicle that provided us first priority is time freedom. Mm -hmm. Second priority is financial independence, you know? And so I don't need a nicer house. I don't need a newer car. I'm happy with what I've got. I want time at home. And both of us shared that kind of value proposition. So every question, when we're thinking about something with the business, we're like, is this moving us closer to our goal? You know, more money in the bank doesn't get me more freedom. I want my freedom. And that's why you guys, I mean, I can be here with you at 12 o'clock because we've built the business that's independent of relying on us. Guys, he just told you how to set up a business with someone. It doesn't have to be a significant someone. It can be someone that you're, you're just partnering with. Know your outcomes, know your goals that you want, know the objectives. And, you know, like he was saying, like, they butted heads, but they also, you know, they hurt each other out and were able to make decisions together. Like if you're out there and you have a business partner and you're struggling right now, listen to that part again and then go see what you're not implementing right now. I think that's the best tip that you could give people like for today. But, you know, I want to touch on why kind of we got you on the podcast, which is let's talk about leveraging Medicare. Because, and we were talking about this before, is, I don't know if it's just something in us right now, or like you said before, when we got on is it's fear, but talking about, you know, everyone always like cash, 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 but there is a way to use Medicare. And so let's touch on that. Yeah. You know, I always try to look for the void. Voids are opportunities. And so when I look at our space, when I look at physical therapy, you know, we've got great, great representation in the cash-based world with Aaron LaBauer. And then we've got guys like Greg Todd. We've got Paul Goff. We've got so many great people that are out there. I knew that I wanted to give back. I knew that I wanted to contribute. I had all of this history of success and failure that I could share with new clinicians who are aspiring to get into business for themselves. And so I was like, where is my opportunity here to contribute? And I realized that we were so kind of in the dark about Medicare. And so many of the decisions were being made, not from a place of power, but more from a place of fear, fear of the unknown. Like, I don't understand the guidelines. I don't understand what's going on. So I'm just going to avoid it. I'm going to pretend it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to go straight cash, you know, mm -hmm. but we all know, like there is absolutely a huge opportunity within the world of Medicare. Once you understand the guidelines and the regulations. And I think what's so interesting, what's so fascinating when you come into my group. So we have a group on Facebook with a Medicare billing for mostly cash-based PTOTSLP. It's mostly cash-based because I think it's still think there's a huge opportunity in the cash world. But when you ask in that group, anybody who's worked with Medicare more than a year, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on contracting with Medicare, working with them as a payer, you know, unanimously, I mean, 50, 60, 100 comments, all of them positive. There is nobody that has a relationship with Medicare more than a year, because that's usually, you know, they figured it out. Mm -hmm. That doesn't have good things to say about it. 
So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to bring a voice, bring a spotlight into those dark corners for clinicians who are like, well, I don't, I don't quite understand, or I've heard this, or there's a rumor about that. And just be like, no, there's never a reason to wonder. The information is there. You just need to know where to find it. And so what we're realizing and, and what I'm trying to tease out is to say, look, yeah, Medicare reimbursement isn't the best, but it's not terrible. It's better than a staff therapist would earn working for, you know, a private practice or a corporate based clinic. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of freedom and a lot of flexibility within Medicare. And of course, I always go back to my family. I'm like, look, my mom worked her entire life. She spent 40 years contributing to the Medicare benefit program. Once she got to the point where she could benefit from the services that she's paid into, if a therapist doesn't accept their contract with Medicare simply because they're afraid of it, she's being cheated. She's not going to have access to the best possible services. Now, balance that with let's understand what Medicare actually pays for, because Medicare doesn't pay you for 20 years of experience any different than they would pay you for 20 minutes of experience. Medicare doesn't pay for a you know $5,000 or $20,000 gravity feed treadmill when you could also have the person walk 20 feet in your clinic. Like there's a place for Medicare reimbursement. There's a place for working with Medicare within the overall structure of a business. What we need to do as therapists is we need to say, what is the business that I'm in? And I'll give you guys a quick example. So I've been in this 20, almost 22 years. I can't imagine seeing a patient in my clinic, classic outpatient orthopedic, who wouldn't benefit from learning about nutrition, maybe a little bit of mindfulness, who wouldn't benefit from better sleep hygiene, from other factors, right? Most of my clients are dealing with lifestyle disease and the symptom of that disease might manifest as shoulder pain, back pain, knee pain. Having a background in kinesiology like 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I loved evaluating somebody with what presented like a mechanical problem because I understood mechanics and I felt very smart looking at your hip, knee and ankle, making these relational, you know, diagnoses and saying, well, your hip is weak and your knee is this. Now I realized 20 years later, there's probably more factors at play. You know, there's a chemical system, your hormones, the psychosocial effect, pain is an experience. It's always real. Like we understand so much more now or at least I do, than I did 15 years ago. I can't just treat the mechanical body anymore. That's just a tiny component of the big picture. And so Medicare will pay me for certain things and I'll deliver what Medicare pays for. But if I really want the patient to receive the optimal outcome, I need to understand, okay, Mrs. Jones, great news. We did your evaluation today. There are no major red flags. There's no major issues for concern. But the reality is you mentioned you're not sleeping as well as you know you should. You know your blood sugars are elevated and you're struggling to manage that. All of those things are going to contribute to the, the symptoms you're feeling within the shoulder that you're describing as pain. So I believe the best plan for you is a six-week program. The total cost for the program is $3,500. The components of that program that Medicare does pay for, like today, Medicare covers your initial evaluation today, Medicare will cover an estimated $832 of the $3,500 plan of care, but the rest of it would be paid for by you out of pocket because it's not a benefit that Medicare covers. Now, if you don't want 
to do that plan of care and you only want to receive the services that Medicare covers, no problem. There's a great therapist at the hospital, like in my clinic, there's a NovaCare literally across the street. So my conversation is, there are two great therapists at the NovaCare across the street. They're only going to provide you with what Medicare covers. I know that that's not going to cure the root cause of your problem, but if that's what you want to do, that's totally fine. They'll do an evaluation. They'll get a plan of care going. If you decide in a couple of weeks, you realize that's not what you want, you can always come back to me. You know, but the idea is that Medicare was the lead generation tool that allowed that patient access to me and my history and, and what I do best. What I do best is a holistic approach. It's not delivering three sets of 10 straight leg raise <laughs> across the street at NovaCare. That's what they do best. So I'm going to let NovaCare do what they do. Yeah. I'm going to let Medicare pay for what it pays for, but I have to stay true to me. I don't want to waste my time or the patient's time delivering something that I know is going to be inconsequential mm -hmm. and probably ineffective. So Medicare gets them the opportunity, at least, to come see me. And as you start understanding those guidelines, as you start understanding how everything works, it just it's not a limiting factor. Therapists look at third-party payers as limiting access to care. They don't. They open doors, new doors, to care that that patient would not have otherwise had access to. If I didn't accept Medicare, they would never know about me. You know, if I didn't do YouTube, they would never know about me. And we can talk about YouTube when you're ready, but like these are all opportunities for us to open new doors and allow patients to see what we can really do. Man. I told Tony before we started that this is probably going to be the best episode I've ever had. And it's already proven that, guys. He just dropped so much knowledge on you. And he told you, he just gave you literally a script. If you would just rewind it back and you, <laughs> you could uh, play it loud, turn on your Google listener thing and have that play and then be like, okay, there's my script of like, if I have someone come in that, that is looking for Medicare, like... And you, what you did is you gave them an option. And then what you did too, is you didn't have um, a scarcity mindset. You're like, oh yeah, you can go to NovaCare. And I'm sure NovaCare has a working relationship with you to where, hey, these guys actually want a little bit more and Medicare can't give it, Tony, and we're going to send them to you, right? It's true. I mean, that's exactly it. I never, ever, ever want to feel like I've overextended somebody financially. You know, I never want to talk somebody into to doing something that they're not comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So my job as a physical therapist is to compile resources, right? Sometimes they need a walker. Sometimes they need a cane. Sometimes they need my service. Sometimes they need theirs. And the reality is as much as therapists like to maul and attack insurance companies and corporate PT, Corporate businesses are run by therapists just like you and I. I've never met a NovaCare therapist who didn't care about their patients, an Athletico therapist who didn't care about their patients. Mm -hmm. And so they know they're working within the confines of corporate policy. Once they've determined that they can't deliver something more, yeah, they send them over to us. I don't do dry needling. I send all my clients I think are appropriate across to NovaCare. I have no problem with that. We don't even touch a fraction of the population who actually would benefit from our service. And that's why we need those larger capacity clinics. I can't do 50, 60, 80 visits a day, but they can, you know? So mm -hmm. let the middle of the bell curve go to them, let them do what they do best. 
and then let us focus on some of the niche services that we do best. Perfect. I think that was great. And you know, we, you were touching on YouTube there a little bit. And guys, if I'm just going to throw a plug here, Tony yeah. did not ask me to do this, but you know, if you guys are out there and you're like listening to this and you're like, oh man, I want more information about Medicare, go to YouTube, look up, learn medical billing, and literally he's just going to walk you step by step of what to do. And it is just an amazing channel. You're going to get action steps immediately that you can use today. And yeah, I, I can't rave about it anymore than, than I already have. Um, we talk about. Yeah. So let's touch on YouTube. So when did you kind of fall in love with YouTube? Yeah. So I've always loved video, right? Mm -hmm. And and for anybody watching or listening, you know, technically I have three primary YouTube channels right now. I have one dedicated to total knee replacement. And that's actually the first YouTube channel that was associated with my physical therapy clinic. I've got Learn Medicare Billing, which is the YouTube channel dedicated to helping clinicians understand Medicare regulations and really just grow their private practice. And then my newest channel is called The Shoulder Guide, and it's dedicated to post-op rotator cuff repair. So, I mean, I've got videos, you know, from early 2010, 2013. Video has always been part of my life. I, I actually come from a fine arts background. When I was in high school, I went to a magnet school where we had the first, you know, half of the day was dedicated to the basic math, science, history. But then the whole afternoon was studio time for me. And the expectation was that I was going to graduate and go to a either like the museum school in Boston or I was going to go to Carnegie Mellon. I was going to go and pursue a fine arts career. I didn't go that route, but I still love that. And I think most of what we do comes from the creative side, the artistic side, rather than the science side, because the science mm -hmm. just isn't there yet. But anyway, so YouTube, uh, the way that got started was I knew it was a powerful platform. I believe that if I could do what I do one-to-one, -one, YouTube gave me the platform to do it one-to-many. You know, and I would say, if I'm going to answer a question about using heat or ice on acute injuries, mm -hmm. why don't I just record it? Why don't I make it available to everybody? Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't cost me any more to put that content out there. And this would have been right around early, like 2012, 2013. I started recording videos and just like everybody, I look at that little black dot. I look at the red light. I get nervous. I'd start blinking really fast. My <laughs> lips would get real tense. Instantly, everything would go blank. So my strategy back then, and I think it's a great strategy still today, would be I would literally set up. Now would be my iPhone or a camera or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I'd set it up so it was pointed at me. I'd have my patient sitting in the chair right next to me. I'd be in a real avowal. And I would record myself telling the patient whatever I was going to tell them or whatever question I was going to answer for them. And it's such a different experience to capture a human talking to another human mm -hmm. early in the process. Now, I look at that lens and it's basically just you. I'm talking to Nate. I'm not talking to a device anymore. But what happened was I had put up a bunch of videos. I totally forgot, you know, my kind of personality. I sprinkle seeds all over the place. And so those were some seeds that I had sprinkled out there that I had forgotten about. And then somebody must have said, hey, I saw your YouTube video. I was like, what are you talking about? Well, I had a, a video on sleep positioning 
and it had gained like 40 or 50,000 views. And normally it's got like four views, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So then that was like gas in the tank. I was like, Oh, this has got some legs. I'm going to lever leverage this. I'm going to double down. And that's what I did. And technology was catching up. We had better cameras, better mics. I started recording. I record countless videos every single day. You know, people see like little bits and pieces, but they don't realize between private videos, you know, consulting, YouTube across multiple channels. I record video content every single day. This is an extension of me now. And so my goal back to monetizing versus pricing, I always want to protect the sanctity of the patient therapist relationship. And so when I started realizing, wait a minute, YouTube is going to monetize these videos. I can reach not one, but millions of people now, people anywhere in the planet who, you know, have access to a high-speed internet. And I can do that for free to them but get paid by the advertiser who wants to put ads on my channel. Mm -hmm. That's like a marriage made in heaven. I mean, that's just the, the ultimate scenario. So of course I, I leveraged it, started doing it, growing it. I learned about SEO. I learned about how YouTube now, if I put a video on YouTube, it can start ranking in Google search. I expand my personal brand. I expand my reach. And I mean, to think that, you know, my knee replacement channel just crossed 18,000 subscribers. It has consistently paid me from ad revenue, $1,000 a month for videos I was putting out anyway. I'm not going to stop putting out videos. Yeah. Not to mention it being lead generation for my physical clinic. Like I get patients that are like, I saw you on YouTube. I realized you were close to me. I had to come, you know, be a patient here. You basically create this little microcosm of celebrity, but most important, you're building trust. You know, brand is about trust. People hear me. They know me. I show up consistently. They, they gain a level of trust with mm -hmm. me. And over those years now that has value in and of itself. And when COVID hit and we closed the clinic completely for two weeks, if I didn't have the trust associated with YouTube between my Medicare billing and my knee replacement, I mean, we would have been in a, a bad position, but I didn't see any drop in my income because there were people that had access to me. And, and as a therapist, you know, what's our goal? Our goal is building resiliency in our patients. Our goal is if they can't go, you know, if, if I have a patient who had an amputated leg and they can't walk. I'm going to find a different way for them to, to locomote. And that's what I want to do for myself and my business. And YouTube to me over Facebook, over Instagram, over LinkedIn, over any other platform, it is the best opportunity right now and into the foreseeable future, because it's one of the only platforms that just continues to feed your content to mm -hmm. new viewers and recommends old content, three years, five years, 10 year old videos that are still pertinent. Yeah. Pertinent meaning evergreen, right? Yeah. Yeah. And as we were speaking, I was looking it up because I was like, yeah, I was going to say you're, what you're at right now with your subscriber count, you know, and, and what I've noticed too, because I've been watching you, I've been watching you, Tony, <laughs> yeah. um, is that you go back and you redo the thumbnails and stuff. You update things once you figure out like, oh, this worked with this one video. Okay, let me go test it on this, you know? And 
a lot of it is honestly just not guess and check it kind of is but you know making a, a scientific observation and then go test it and then you know what do we we'll, what do we learn right it's exactly what we do in the clinic every day. Mm -hmm. um, I, I had shared a video a while back about a Rubik's cube. You know, I remember as a kid, I had a Rubik's cube and I, it was impossible. There was no, this was before YouTube, no chance I could ever figure out the Rubik's cube. Then my son has one and I was like, I want to know the algorithm. So I jump on YouTube three minutes later, I get the algorithm, I solve it. And so there's definitely an algorithm that we can leverage for success, whether it be in mm -hmm. business, whether it be in patient care, whether it be in personal relationships. And the idea with that is, you know, as things change, as things innovate, as we get new technology and new cameras and new, new systems, we as clinicians should be expert problem solvers. You know, what's the problem? Well, this patient ran out of insurance coverage and they can't afford therapy. How do I solve that problem? Well, it's kind of an interesting case. I know there are students who would love and benefit from watching me evaluate this patient. Like, now this is, this is real. This is true life. My initial evaluation would probably be devastating to so many clinicians because I share this story, like literally, I think yesterday I did three initial evaluations. Two of them were first day total knee replacements. Not one of them, not one of the three. One was a, a meniscus repair, um, non-weight bearing, six weeks, you know, brace locked in extension. Not one of those three patients went into an exam room with me. Every single one of them I saw when they arrived through the window, mm -hmm. I went out to greet them. My initial evaluation started at the car. It actually started at the window. I see them through the window. I see the interaction. I see the support system. I go out to greet them. I help them with the transfers out of the car into the clinic. My initial evaluation started when they pulled in the parking lot. Mm. We never went into an exam room from standing at the reception desk, signing the paperwork, getting copies of the insurance card, communicating, talking to them. I'm gaining information the entire time. We go right into treatment, you know? And, and so like, that's horrifying for a lot of clinicians. And I totally understand it. Like, I totally understand it. I would never have done that 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. But today, I feel like there's a component within the population that I work with. I mean, these are generally independent living in the community. Most of them are post-op these days. It's, you know, I've got rapport. I've got relations. Some of them I've known from previous cases where I was their therapist before. Mm -hmm. The idea is that there's no reason for me to, in my mind, spend that time sitting and talking when I can relate better. Me personally, I can relate better as we do stuff. And I'll, I'll get all of my assessment done and my communication and my home exercise program and everything in one shot. So that allows me to obviously optimize the system I'm in, the third-party payer system I'm working within. If I have a case where there's some real emotional, psychosocial fear, anxiety, yeah, I'm going to go in the room and we'll sit and we'll talk and I'll work at disarming some of that. But the reality is most of my clients, we just need to get going. We'll build trust and rapport as we do stuff and we joke and we laugh. And so if I can use YouTube Mm -hmm. to share some of those experiences. Like that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned from the YouTube platform yeah. is 
people want to see, they want that fly on a wall perspective of what other people are going through. HIPAA is, you know, obviously it's, it's important and we have to pay attention to it and we abide by the guidelines, but it's one of the biggest barriers to improving the quality of care because I could be doing what I do and right next door, another therapist could be doing what they do completely different. And the patient is so isolated because they have no idea what we're doing. You know, so across my social media and what I, my real kind of intent is, I am not an expert by no means. There are thousands of therapists far smarter and far well, much better versed in the research than I, mm. but I've raised my hand and said, you know what? I'm willing to put it out there. I'm willing to be judged. I'm willing to let you think what you want to think. And if you can do it better, I'm sure you can share it. But what I'm doing is showing the patient, hey, look, maybe physical therapy doesn't have to be painful. Maybe mm -hmm. you can laugh and joke. Maybe your physical therapist actually will touch you, you know, or should touch you. And so there are all these little nuances. So I love this point of view perspective on YouTube. There's mm -hmm. a guy that makes ice cream. He goes to Cold Stone and different creameries and he's yeah. got like a GoPro on his chest and he makes ice cream. He's got millions of subscribers. Yeah. So my latest endeavor into YouTube has been, let's do a point of view of day one in the clinic, post-op knee replacement. Let's show the incision. Let's talk about the different incisions. I had a guy who had some real complicated skin mm -hmm. stuff going on. I had another female yesterday, and I just think it's cool for individuals sitting at home, anxious and fearful and not knowing what to expect to see what actually happens, at least in my clinic, mm -hmm. you know, and I would love for them to see what happens in everyone else's clinic, because I think mm -hmm. that will improve the quality of care universally. Boom, right there. That's it right there. That it, that's it. And, you know, I want to I want to I want to point out something about your uh, point of view is you the these people are, are are seeing you. They're having these aha moments of seeing this person go from that stage one to stage 12, where say they're running a marathon now or whatever. You basically showed the whole client journey. And this person's like, that's what I want. Okay, I'm going to go show up to Anthony's uh, or Tony's um, clinic now. Right. And, right. you know, that they're more likely to, like you said, know and trust you. And when you do throw out that offer, you said 3,500, they're going to be like, Psh, you're going to heal me. I don't, I don't care. You know, one of the things that always comes up when we're talking to therapists that do want to stay out of the insurance world mm -hmm. is the question of, you know, do you take my insurance? Right. Well, you see it all across Facebook and everybody has their own approach and their own way, just like rehab. But my feeling is generally, look, if they're asking if you take their insurance, you failed the communication game. You failed marketing. That's it. Because the reality is when I'm sitting in the consumer seat and I'm like, I want to get something, whatever it is that I might want to get, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to research it, right? What's the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to go to YouTube. I'm going to look at reviews. I'm going to see how other people use the product. I'm going to go to Amazon. I'm going to read the reviews. I'm going to put the time into research what it is that I want. And once I've determined this is what I want, I don't care what the price is. I don't care what it is. That is what I want. And so what I tell therapists to do mm -hmm. is reverse engineer some of your buying decisions. You know, why did you buy the last thing that you bought? What went into making that decision? How do you decide like, and especially if it's something like, 
okay, I was talking to a great therapist last night. She was looking at, you know, starting her own practice and she had a patient. And I said, look, you know, if somebody's willing to pay $150, do you really think that person's going to say no to $200? No, it's, it's once, once you've crossed that barrier, maybe of 99, the difference between 150 and 200 is insignificant. But for you, the clinician, that extra $50 makes a lot of difference in your ability to better serve that client. You know, and on the pricing side, I mean, obviously we don't have time to talk pricing psychology, but the reality is when you get something for free, nobody is going to deny you probably don't value it as much Mm -hmm. as if you paid a thousand dollars for that same thing. And so while yes, I love Medicare, I love insurance, it opens doors, brings people in. The reality is it probably does more harm than good. If somebody is not paying, if there is no sacrifice to getting something that is important and valuable, you're probably not going to value it as much. You know, Jill Cook, she puts out all the research on tendinopathy. And Mm -hmm. I believe it was she who said, if we charge the thousand dollars for therapeutic exercise, people would value it for as worthwhile as it actually is, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, if people are still asking if you take insurance, is that question is, I think you're good enough, but I'm not going to pay for it. So, you know, I'll take a chance if it doesn't cost me anything, right? I'll take a free sample if it doesn't cost me anything. Like you just didn't do a good job communicating what it is that you actually do, the value you deliver, go back and improve the marketing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, you know, what's funny is like, like you say, raising your prices is you're going to weed out those people that, that don't want you, right? And you're going to attract the people that do want you and they're going to pay for your service. And you're going to be like, oh man, should I have gone up more? You probably should have, <laughs> to be honest, right. is, is, is the, the factor of that. And I, I realized that in my business is, you know, I started low. And I was like, oh man, no one's going to really value this. And then I keep increasing my prices and no, they're like, yeah, yeah, this is a thing. Right. And the other thing I want to bring up too, is like, so you, you say YouTube and you know, I talk podcasts, right? So the podcasts, like I always encourage people when they do do one for their clinic, like interview your staff and stuff like that. So then these people can know, like, and trust your staff. So then when they're, they show up to see, they're like, Oh, you know, I want to see that the guy that I heard on the podcast. Yep. Right. And then the power of something like that, you know, when I put out that post on Facebook today about monetizing the podcast, like obviously you mentioned it. Yeah. Like the real value in there is building your personal brand, the relationships, the connections you make, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a big believer in, look, I would rather give away 98% of my services completely for free because it's not going to move the needle, Uh but I want one transaction that's worth $300,000. Like that's where I want to focus my time. And I think you see that in anyone who's financially successful. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, what we see in reality is most people get so bogged down. We're like, well, I'm going to charge $75 a session. Yeah. And then you get busy with 40 sessions a week and you're like, now I've got a waiting list and you can't grow value with something like that. Mm-hmm. So I just talked to an amazing human being yesterday or the day before we were talking about something 
And he was like, well, let's do this. I'm going to do this for free. And then I'm going to charge once they see, I'm like, no, no, $500 minimum to just get into your, you know, on your schedule. And then if you want to do free stuff after they've proven themselves, Mm -hmm. that's a different story. So for me, I almost never do something for free right up front. I want you to pay, then I'll do free things forever. I don't care. The value of money is insignificant to me. The reason you pay first is because you have to prove that you value what it is that we're about to do. You know, and and that's really where the true benefit comes from. So for clinicians, I mean it's just it's hard for us because we want to give and we want to help and we want it all to be, you know, free. And like I said, I'm guilty of it too. That's why I monetize with YouTube. That's why I monetize with courses. That's why I do these other things. Mm -hmm. So I never feel compelled to make financial decisions about patient care. But that being said, I try to use my logic brain to say, yeah, this makes sense. If you're not paying, you're not going to value it. And you're wasting your time and you're wasting my time. Worse, you're wasting my access to somebody who will value the service that we're delivering. Boom. Boom, guys. All right, Tony. Well, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast. My listeners know that this is towards the end of the podcast now. So what we do is we bust out these things called pod decks. I don't know if you've listened to an episode yet, but so what these are, are random deck cards and they we're going to pick three questions and just helps us to dive a little more into you and listeners can kind of relate to you a little bit more. Perfect. Let's see. What do you love to learn about? Oh, I love to learn about like personal insecurities, whether you call that psychology or whatever. But I just think that we're so unaware of what makes us make decisions. That's what I want to understand. I want to know how to make myself make better decisions. Love it. Okay. Next question. What is the best thing about being an entrepreneur? freedom, like without a doubt, the freedom to pursue those things that you're passionate about, the freedom to influence other people and improve the quality of life for others. I can't help more people if I don't build an effective business. And that's where entrepreneurship comes in. Thank you for that. What do you feel more often, gratitude or envy? What are you most grateful for? thousand percent gratitude. Like I've just always been so fortunate, so blessed, you know, obviously with the war that's going on and all of the other things that are going on in society these days. I mean, we have more than enough evidence that we should be grateful for where we are. Mm -hmm. But truthfully, I mean, the, the gratitude for my family, the gratitude for the opportunity to access and communicate and talk to people, people like you, it's truly humbling to have any human being take even a minute of their life. I mean, that's really what it is. You just took 40, 51 minutes of your life to talk and communicate and connect with me. You know, that's 51 minutes you're not going to have to do something else. I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that there's some piece of value that maybe I can contribute to what other people are doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast. So for the listeners that resonated with your message today and they're like, hey, Tony, how can we work with you? How can they do that? 
Perfect. Go to Facebook, look for me, Anthony Maritato, M-A-R-I-T-A-T-O on Facebook. That's probably the best way to reach me. I'm on there constantly. Um, that, that's my connection. You can go to learnmedicarebilling.com. I'm building my blog. I'm trying to grow that. And then of course, learn Medicare billing on YouTube. I put out as much free content as I possibly can. I answer questions, real questions from real clinicians who are frustrated and looking to get into business for themselves. So any of those, you'll find your way to me. Well, like I said, thank you for coming on the podcast, Tony. And we're definitely probably going to have to have you dive a little more deeper into YouTube one day. And, you Heck know, yeah. but uh, thank you for coming on. And for the listeners, don't forget to rate, review and follow the podcast for more. more inspiring conversations like this one, I invite you to join my free Facebook group, Healthcare Hacks and Connections. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, review on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, be sure to follow our socials on Instagram, the podcast underscore doc and Nate Novice on Facebook. Thank you and have a great day.